everybody. This is Pat. Hope everyone's doing well. We got a great interview coming up with Charlie Howe. It was fantastic. He is a great ambassador of Virginia Tech and uh, does some really cool things for the USGA and uh, the US Open. Before we get into that, you guys probably clicked into this and are seeing over an hour of podcast content. I'm going to warn you. No football content. I know a lot of things are going crazy right now. There's no football content on this podcast, but that should not stop you from listening because this interview was a lot of fun and uh, you'll really enjoy it. That being said, for all upcoming football takes, football breakdowns, football analysis, just the state of where Virginia Tech is and all of this, Stick to us on Twitter. Follow at Sons of Sat. You know, Billy Ray is probably going to be posting one of his awesome videos uh, out later in the week. Uh, We will be keeping you all up to date. We will be recording here. I just don't want to record any uh, podcast episodes and then have everything we broke down be completely irrelevant the next day because that's how these news cycles have been going. So, Uh, We will be up to date on that. We will get something out here shortly uh, over the next few days. But in the meantime, enjoy this episode and let's kick it over to the 555. To the Sons of Saturday, we have a uh, we have an awesome guest here this evening. Before we get into it, just gotta say this is our third ever in person podcast. So the first one we ever did was Oscar Bradburn back in January, where Billy confessed about what happened when a squirrel invaded his bedroom in Atlanta, and that was all <laughs> fiasco. And I have since moved out. He has since moved Thank out. You. And then uh, Matei Sis. From 24-7 Sports, shout out Matei. He came over to Arlington uh, in the pre-COVID era, and uh, we sat down and talked about recruiting. But now we have Charlie Howe, who is the championship director for the 2020 U.S. Open at Winged Foot. Uh, he works for the USGA, but, 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 going to pause you guys. We got a hokey haiku oh. that we got to read <laughs> before we get into the intros here. So this hokey haiku was submitted by Grant Watson. I saw it roll in on the notifications. It said Hokey Haiku. I was like, oh, Grant Watson. There we go. Johnny on the spot. Here it is. Because we didn't didn't ask for any haikus, so thank you, Grant. He says, wait, 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 what? Main Street Farm? We got a plug Main Street Farm? It does not get better than Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. Whatever you need. Band-Aids. You cut your finger on a a sharp, uh, sharp object. You stub your toe. You need some ice. You... Got a headache, you need some Tylenol, stomachache, Pepto-Bismol, whatever you need. Our guy, Lord Jeremy Counts, has you covered. He cares about Blacksburg, he cares about the community, and he is welcoming back students with open arms. Jeremy Counts, nothing but love. But Bill, wait, oh. what, is, what is he going to greet me with? A smile under the mask every time. You can see it in his eyebrows, you can see it in his face, you can see it. The little creases come up outside the eyes, and it's like, that guy's smiling. So there you go. There we go. Shout out Jeremy and shout out to the Main Street Farm. From Grant Watson. Time to hit the links. Sons talk some golf on the pod. Countdown to winged foot. Golf clap. It's fantastic. So today on the podcast, we welcome Charlie Howe. 
Championship Director for the 2020 U.S. Open. And Charlie is a Virginia Tech graduate of the class of 2006. Is that correct? Correct. 2006. Former captain of the soccer team for the 2005 and 2006 campaigns. And he started with the USGA uh, just over a decade ago, all with an internship at Torrey Pines. And since then, he has climbed the ladder within the U.S. Open uh, and participating in events at Bethpage Black, Congressional, Marion, Oakmont, Shinnecock, and now Winged Foot for 2020 as the championship director. So we're excited to have you on, Charlie. Welcome to the Sons of Saturday. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the little socially distanced setup we have. <laughs> well, uh, I work out really well. But it's crazy even hearing the, the names of the clubs that I've been. I kind of have to pinch myself sometimes of how... Uh, you know, how honored, how blessed I've been, whatever you want to call it. I've spent some time in some pretty special places in golf. Well, Charlie, I got to say one more thing before we get into the nitty gritty here, and I can't wait to talk to you about some of these courses, is you have set the bar from now on. So as you said, we haven't done in-person podcast interviews, but not only does Charlie bring a wealth of knowledge and Virginia Tech information and some great talking points, he also brought gifts. He was bearing gifts, hooked us up with some posters. That's you can how see I roll. Absolutely. That's how he rolls. So the bar has been set. Uh, if we're interviewing you in person, hey, there's expectations. Waiting now. to see, waiting <laughs> to see what you're uh, what you're bringing, what you're bringing the Suns. But thank you so much for the poster. I'm excited to hang it up tomorrow. No, I'm excited to do this with you guys. It's uh, it's been a pleasure listening, but to see your energy in person, it's going to be a lot of fun today. I can tell. <laughs> so uh, Charlie is a uh, is a friend of the family. That's kind of how we all got integrated. Uh, first of all, but um, my dad Kevin played soccer at Tech uh, from '84 to '88, and he was captain as well, and uh, was in the German club. And Charlie, you were in the German club as well, and you guys had that captain and German club connection but uh how are you doing like what have you been up to the last you know five six months in quarantine Ooh, what's I mean, been top of mind for you yeah I mean very famously probably you hear more often is you know hanging in there but sometimes <laughs> it's hanging in by a thread uh it's been a lot of moving parts obviously when you think of my work and and the U.S. Open and our decision uh, to move the U.S. Open from June to September and what that uh, what those implications are what that means for our corporate partners, um, you know, as recently as a couple of weeks ago, that announcement with with no fans, you know, what that means to our volunteer scope. So a lot of moving parts, you know, holding a major championship, a, a worldwide event in this time period. As anyone seen who's watching sports, what the ACC is going through in the NCAA, uh, as their decisions uh, are looming on, you know, college football and Olympic sports. But so it's been a lot of scenario planning, the what ifs, uh, and, it, and it's been very difficult, very challenging. You know, there's no playbook for this. Um, we have a playbook now. I guess let's all hope we don't ever have to reference it again. Um, so it, it's been busy for work. Uh, you know, some highs and lows. You know, mentally of the community at Wingfoot and Westchester County and the state of New York, and thinking about what the U.S. Open is and what it means to our fans, and, and certainly. You know, when you watch it on TV, but that experience you have on site, we're not going to be able to replicate this year. So you kind of battle that mentally as a staff person, being excited, and for the people involved in the community to really showcase it, uh, the golf course, uh, to the world. Uh, fortunately, we'll get to do that, and, and NBC, our broadcast partner, will we'll put things in place to you know, show one of the most historic golf clubs in the country host uh, their sixth U.S. Open, uh, but this, just this time in September. Yeah, and... I mean, we are uh, chatting with you here on Tuesday night on the heels of the PGA Championship uh, over the weekend. And just initial thoughts on the event and Colin Morikawa, uh, what, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, 
there's not much else to say but just wow with that kid. But we can't act surprised. I mean, he was an absolute stud at Cal in college. Uh, if you're familiar with golf, uh, he was a part of our, our USGA USA team, the Walker Cup, and, and winning Walker Cup team in, in 2017. I mean, his pedigree has been winning, and I think he's. I think I saw a stat recently. You know, 21 PGA Tour events he's played in. He's already won three. Uh, now a major championship. So we're going to see him around for a while, and it's exciting because you know we've got a good or a plethora of young players. Uh, that we can all be fans of, but this kid might be something special. You know, there might be some some goat vibes coming out of uh, Colin Morikawa. We'll see. That's high praise. That is high praise. <laughs> and I, I just want to kind of dive into the nitty-gritty of, um, you know, obviously a, a massive accomplishment to be able to put on an event like that and and get golf back, uh, back on television. And, you know, just from watching it, here are a couple tidbits that I've come through. Well, actually, I'd love to know what went into it. Is all of these conversations that you're having back in the spring – um, how were you able to get this back on television, get the players to agree to it, and really put on that uh, that production? It's a great question, Billy. And you think the one thing I've seen the most during this COVID you know time period that we're in is the just kind of the the knowledge sharing within not only the golf properties. You think of the PGA Tour. Obviously, they had they've had no fans and events, and you had the PGA Championship run by the PGA America most recently. But, you know, maybe rewind the clock two years. You know, there's probably not that information sharing. They're a little bit more concerned about, you know, people's IP or we're going to want to do it better than you. And, and now it was, look, we're all in this together. We want to create a safe environment with these players. We need to provide a level of consistency for them on a week-in, week-out basis. Uh, and that's just in golf. I mean, I was talking to friends in the NFL. We've talked to friends in, in the NBA, uh, NASCAR. Everyone's sharing information. Again, just try to, you know, understand as we're all going through this, you know, NASCAR was one of the first sporting events back. So mm-hmm. we're talking with their folks about, okay, what are the processes that you went through and speaking with, uh, you know, the county or the state of Florida, you know, down in some of those earlier races. So it's helped everyone. Uh, I think we've all lifted each other up and there's not a situation where, you know, someone could ever say, oh, why are they doing that differently? I think we're in it together. And that's been the, I think, most refreshing thing is just see the information sharing amongst, uh, again, across the sports landscape and industry. And you're also having an opportunity to get fans that you normally wouldn't have access to with kids not being in school, people just dying to watch sports in general. And um, I was texting back and forth with my old boss at Twilio, uh, Jimmy Perillo, and he's a big like golf fanatic. And he was making some interesting points about how the game is different. First thing that popped off the screen to me is it's kind of relaxing. Golf is relaxing in general, but just to watch a couple gentlemen play uh, right. who are the best in the world uh, is fantastic. But the other dynamic that it adds is think about someone like Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods, if you have a young guy like Morikawa playing uh, and he's you know wrapping up and then Tiger Woods is coming around on 18 ahead of him and the roar of the crowd, and there have been golfers that have talked about you hear the roar of Tiger two holes down and it just gets in your head. And it's a completely different game now where you have very young golfers playing against some legends where it's we're just out here playing golf. Nobody's watching, nobody's here. You can it, It's a very different dynamic uh, have, have players talked about that, or have you gotten a different feeling from watching it at all? You certainly, I think the the talent that you see now, the Brooks, the Rorys, you know, Justin Thomases or Colin, they're going to point to Tiger Woods is probably their reason, or more likely is the reason they're into the game. Right. So, you know, what he created and the, the phenomena that is him, and you're exactly right. And you know, you don't even have to see the golf course. You can be on property and know exactly where Tiger Woods is just mm-hmm. by seeing a, a congregation of fans or, or a roar or or an you know, or the opposite, right? They're right. bogeys and they're upset about that. 
Uh, but that's been fascinating. I think these players recognize that what Tiger has done for the game and how he's really just fast-forwarded the money that they're getting at these mm-hmm. tournaments, you know, where over a million dollars is up for grabs, you know, nearly on a weekly basis with the PGA Tour. I mean, he, he drives that. Uh, you know, he, he kind of lifted up where Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas left off as far as just elevating and bringing attention to the game for outside viewers. Uh, but golf, I mean, what a special game. I mean, you can play it, um, you know, generationally, you know, as a kid all the way, you know, to, uh, Carl Jealous, uh, who I know very well from the Monogram Club, and we may get into that a little later, but he's their, their sporting, sports director for the wrestling group. He shot me a text today. He shot two shots better than his age. He shot a 78 recently. So, I mean, it's just unbelievable. The the landscape of golf, what an amazing sport you can play. And, you know, one that I didn't really get the pleasure of getting into until I was at Virginia Tech. <laughs> so, uh, so we, before we get into a little bit more about the U.S. Open uh, that's in later in September, we got to zoom out a little bit. Sons of ladder climbing. <laughs> I mentioned in the introduction that you started your journey with the USGA and the U.S. Open as an intern back in, was it 2008? Yeah, 2008 at Torrey mm-hmm. Pines. That's right. So you. you've seen some incredible courses, some incredible incredible events, and I'm sure, you know, it wasn't glamorous back then, but can you kind of just walk us through your journey from even before then at Virginia Tech, you know, what you studied, what you wanted to get into, and then just how you were able to climb this ladder and ascend to championship director of the U.S. Open. Yeah, it's pretty amazing looking back and, and hopefully can kind of continue the, the career climb, uh, certainly with aspirations to, to do more in golf and the USGA. But yeah, I mean, I played soccer. If you want to rewind a little back, I played soccer growing up, basketball, baseball. Um, didn't mention golf. You know, my family were both of them are middle school teachers, mom and dad. Uh, in the Richmond area and you know, didn't belong to a country club. So again, my kind of knowledge of golf at the time, and again, I, na- I said Richmond, Virginia, so we don't have professional sports teams per se. So I found myself attracted to professional athletes, you think about. I was, you know, a Jerry Rice or Joe Montana. We had the Richmond Braves, a AAA affiliate. So, you know, it was a Chipper Jones, David Justice, Atlanta Braves fan from that perspective. You know, but I had a Barry Sanders poster on my wall. I had a Charles Barkley or, you know, Michael Jordan. So I was attracted to athletes. And that's where I got introduced to Tiger Woods. Like, who's this guy? He's just winning on a week-in, week-out basis. You know, being a fan of sports, that's what I watched. Uh, so fast forward, you know, I have an appreciation for golf, uh, fortunate enough to get hired to, for a long-term internship at Torrey Pines in San Diego, uh, went to VCU for grad school, so a center for sport leadership, gets, gets a master's degree. Uh, from there, again, through that program, learn about the opportunity, interview, get hired, move from Richmond, sep- uh, January of 2008, and yeah, I get to live in San Diego for 70 and sunny for six months on a, on a major championship, I'm all in. But then what transpires there? I mean, I hadn't really been to a golf tournament ever. I mean, not a PGA Tour event, uh, not a Champions Tour event like they have the Dominion, Dominion Energy Classic in Richmond now. Hadn't even been to a member guest at like a local golf club. Again, my upbringing was just a little different. So my first golf experience from a tournament or championship experience was Tiger Woods and Rocco Media in the 18-hole playoff on Monday. At the time, it was the most watched sporting event on the internet. Internet. I mean unbelievable like cement i'm done i'm into golf all in what kind of you not fall in love with yeah how do you not fall in love with that just seeing him on a broken leg you come to find out i mean one of the best u.s opens in history and 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 this september will be our 120th u.s open so there's quite a few good memories in there but i'm all in what do i need to do to to get a job full-time how do i elevate that internship you know to uh to a full-time job and fortunately was uh was afforded the opportunity 
to interview again and, you know, must have impressed the right people, um, you know, at, at, at Torrey Pines and, and was brought on full time to go to the 2009 U.S. Open uh, at Bethpage State Park. Um, so a little different. Uh, we'll get to him later, but I've got a friend past Hokey, Drew Weaver, golf player. He plays in that U.S. Open, so it was kind of cool in that connection. Um, worked with our parking, transportation, security. Like I said, I would do anything I could just to get my foot in the door, and it was a full-time position. I didn't care if it wasn't you know glamorous in that respect. Um, lived there for a year, kind of on Long Island, just scraping by, and you just made it work. I, was, I made the decision. I'm all in on golf. Uh, then you kind of get the marching orders that U.S. Open passes and you start to realize how it works with us is we have really two teams, an odd year U.S. Open team and an even year U.S. Open team. So two years earnest in advance need someone uh, there on site working with the club, working in the community. So now I'm part of that team. I skip from 2009. I skip to the 2011 U.S. Open at Congressional Country Club, you know, move down to the D.C., you know, Bethesda area live with some Virginia Tech Hokie roommates, some former teammates in soccer. You know, had a great experience there, worked more on the operations, working with our vendors, management of, uh, you know, the site and the facility, all the tents that we build and all the city that ultimately becomes the, the U.S. Open. You know, from there, I move up the road and again, climbing another position, I move up the road to in Philadelphia, uh, just off the main line near Villanova, but Marion Golf Club, unbelievably historic U.S. Open venue, and at the time, that's for the 2013 U.S. Open. We hadn't been there since 1981 with David Graham winning. You know, they've got some unbelievable history. 1950 U.S. Open with Ben Hogan, plaque, one of the most famous pictures in golf that you see almost every restaurant or sports restaurant in America. Um, awesome experience there. Moved from there to Pittsburgh. Um, again, so I get to see the Hokies come in and, and play Pitt a couple times uh, oh, while man. I was there. Don't love huge. Don't yeah, love going to Pitt. don't. It wasn't. Uh, we had some disappointing uh, performances there, but at Oakmont Country Club, hosted the 2016 U.S. Open. At that point in time, uh, from an on-site staff perspective, I'm kind of the, the lead and go-to uh, boots on the ground for the USGA. So as a championship manager role, uh, Get through Oakmont, and I moved to Shinnecock Hills Golf Club, which is out in Southampton, way out on Long Island. One of the five founding members of the United States Golf Association, you know, 1891 is founded, oldest golf clubhouse in the country. I mean, just the places you get to, I mean, are magical to kind of even be on the property, let alone to be kind of in tune, getting another membership, getting another community. Uh, was became a director of the U.S. Open. Role didn't really change from from Oakmont to Shinnecock as far as being that lead person on site. Um, just had just more responsibility and evolved the role a little bit uh, to where now, again, you can see those were kind of the even year U.S. Opens going backwards a few years and now uh, working on Wingfoot Golf Club 2020, which, um, again, we, we had hoped to pull off in June with fans. And now we've uh, you know just had to pivot. We can come back to that word uh, later in the, in the cast. But, um, I mean, unbelievable journey experience that people have been able to meet moving all over the country. Again, not just in golf, but uh, in other sports industries and people I got to know. Because that's, again, going back to what golf is and who plays. I mean, the connections that you make, uh, being able to play with your dad, Pat, Kev, and, and some of our Hokie alumni as we go back on campus and play the Pete Dye River course and getting to know the head pros there. I mean, it, it's just fun, like the connections you make in golf. So really been appreciative of, of that career. But, yeah, rewind when I'm a junior, senior at Virginia Tech and trying to – someone convince me I'm going to be director of the U.S. Open – 
no chance I see that happening. But unfortunately, like some hard work and some of the values that I took from Virginia Tech and whether it's my coach or friends and there's the people I surrounded myself with, you know, lessons from German club values, you just apply that to life, try to make the most of it. And uh, sometimes it's better not to ask questions and say, why not you, right? <laughs> well, I, I do want to say, uh, I, I got to tip my cap to you and you kind of, um, kind of, uh, didn't even give yourself credit for it. You identified something that you really liked and you knew you wanted to be in it and you just made it happen for yourself. You found where can I, where can I add value? Where can I, you know, find a way to help? Where can I find a way to make myself non get rid of a bull? If that's even a word, I know I, I come on here <laughs> words all the, all the time, but making yourself a valuable asset where you are, where you are today. And I think that there's, that's a fantastic piece of information for any, young person that aspires to do something uh, is just, you know, I want to do this and do everything you can to find a way to make yourself valuable in that role. So hats off to you on that end. Wow, thank you. I appreciate that. And then you tugged at my heartstrings a little bit. Uh-oh. Tory Pines, I have to shout out Pongo Graham and Mike Santa Maria. I had never been to the West Coast. And my first experience ever was I went to... San Diego and that drive and we were talking about before we started where you're leaving Torrey Pines and then you come down the hill into La Jolla you got the ocean on the left the sun sinks the sun sinks into the ocean uh, you don't have to wake up on the east coast you have to wake up and catch the sunrise but on the, so the sunset goes down it's not even like a real place it's for not. those of who haven't been in San Diego what was it just like live it, living in a place that's not real. Unreal. So, mind you, I mentioned I moved there from Richmond. And we, have a, we see all four seasons, but winter's not, you know, that dire most years. Uh, but I moved there in January. So, you move from winter to 70 and sunny every single day. Uh, unbelievable weather-wise. I mean, but your, your neighbors, at, like... Pat's looking at the pictures. <laughs> Pat's on Airbnb, yeah. playing his next vacation. It's not funny. And you mentioned La Jolla. I mean, oh. They have seals on the beaches. It's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. You cannot paint the, a better no. picture. Um, why people move in or live anywhere else sometimes when you're there in that in that bubble but you know i remember going to work you know again i'm an intern i live with a couple other interns we're heading up the road uh to tory pines and you know my next door neighbors and houses they're all got their surfboards walking out because the they morning. work early and leave yeah. at three and go yeah. surfing for but, the afternoon <laughs> but i'm like or do they have jobs like, I, I, that i never got yeah. but i respected the hustle oh, like man. let's get our surfing in the morning territory. yeah yeah it's uh <laughs> it's a cool vibe it's different certainly where i am now and like in the new jersey new york uh you know market you know, people who live on the West Coast versus New York and, and can totally understand that. It's mm-hmm. different. People appreciate it. Unbelievable oh, place. Mm-hmm. My goodness. And we're going back there in 2021. Next year's U.S. Open. So I can't wait to have, make the return. Hopefully, hopefully you make it back. Hopefully we have some fans. <laughs> hopefully we can see you boys there. Yeah. For sure. I think we'll have to make that happen. That's right. So uh, you were kind of hinting at it a little bit at the dinner table earlier, but um, what is going to be different about this year? Obviously, you shift dates and that clearly throws a wrench in operations and a lot of things but what are some of the uh the things behind the scenes that maybe someone um you know who's just getting into it doesn't realize is going to be different yeah well first of all do you eat dinner like that every night of the week I and mean, it's unbelievable <laughs> for the listeners the why spread. do you think i'm here yeah why do you think, <laughs> okay. why do you think uh, i'm here it makes a lot of sense now but no i mean <laughs> Uh, a peak under the U.S. Open tent, so to speak, that people wouldn't realize, and I certainly had no idea until uh, I showed up uh, in that internship role, is just the the level of coordination um, that it takes amongst our vendors. And truly, you look, you, we're on a golf course. We're, we're not like the Masters. We don't get the same golf course every year. We don't get to put in permanent infrastructure where CBS can roll up and plug in. Great point. You know, we have to do everything 
from scratch you know we're lucky enough that maybe there's some infrastructure that was we used eight to ten years ago if we were at that u.s open site but in many cases you're thinking about you know potable water lines that we've got to get to our, our temporary kitchens that we have from all the corporate catering or the concessions you know you think about simple things like like restrooms you think about um, you know player evacuation a media center you know all these different things that are required you know sometimes a locker room the clubhouses aren't large enough to host the 156 players that we have so we have to build one of those and you know a to z that's why i mentioned kind of in the, earlier in the, in the podcast is we're, we're building a small city and you think about all the things that it takes to run a city and those municipalities. Is you know you've got to have a fire component, an EMS component, first aid component. You think about parking. You think about transportation. Uh, you know how are we getting uh, thirty to forty thousand people on site at a U.S. Open? Mind you, in communities that are surrounded by neighborhoods. When you think of like a Marion or you think of like a Wingfoot, bringing that many people in would just shut a city down. So it's working with the city officials, town, you know, county officials to put together a plan that logistically makes sense and doesn't you know negatively impact those places that we're going because if we did provide a plan and it didn't go well we're not getting invited back and that's another thing people don't know about the u.s open we go to most iconic venues i think in all of golf but we're not uh, mandating or just telling clubs that we're having a u.s open there it is a purely a, an invitation process mm-hmm. these whether it's a public or private golf course there, there's a person or entity that is writing um, you know mike davis our executive director or ceo a letter saying hey we'd love to host the usga championship maybe any of your 14 championships uh, some can be as specific and say we want a U.S. Open, and that's great. We field it. We've got a, a kind of a search committee that helps uh, send myself and others out to kind of survey that community. Are there enough hotel room beds? Same thing like a Super Bowl or Olympics would do in major cities. We have to think about all of that before we make a decision on on kind of announcing a U.S. Open, and we're announced through 2027 and working with each of those communities to get ready for their particular year. But yeah, the infrastructure that you have to build. Um, most people don't have an idea of what goes on behind the scenes. And it's one of the most eye-opening things for me individually, again, getting into golf in this role, but then just the sports landscape in general, just the, the number of jobs and the interactions and that are related to sports and that whole industry. You can see why, why it's the multi-billion dollar industry that it is across the you know, NFL and you, you name it, any of the other leagues. Right. And so... All changes aside, all differences aside, um, what can we look forward to most from this U.S. Open? If I am just getting into golf right now, if you know the PGA Championship was the first thing I really tuned into this COVID season, what are some of the storylines I should be following, or what should I, you know, be looking out for, or be getting excited for, um, you know, in late September? Right. I mean, you've mentioned it earlier. The opportunity for a, it's a live sporting event during COVID. There's not a lot of those. You know, you've got the NBA bubble, you've got the MLS bubble, uh, you've seen the PGA Tour. You know, with the late in June ca- coming back, um, so these people have seen golf. But it's an opportunity for other viewers who maybe sports fans to watch some unbelievable golf. Seeing new up and comers like a Colin Morikawa, you know, but looking at Justin Thomas, you know, Bryson DeChambeau playing well, Brooks Kepka, you know, is a back-to-back U.S. Open champion. Got Gary Woodland. I mean, unbelievable athlete. He played, played basketball in college, and you know he's in PGA Tour. He won our U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. You know that sinking that. Yeah. You know now I think famous. You know mm-hmm. last putt and the the roar of the crowd. So, you know you're still going to see that. They're going to see the level of competition and how good these players are, and also what the U.S. Open is. I mean, and how it 
kind of differentiates itself and identifies the best player in the world. And it's from a, a physical standpoint, a mental standpoint. We like to say we want to see every club in the bag get used. Wingfoot is a notoriously you know, difficult course on a daily basis for their members. And now you get to see again, you get to see the best players in the world. Um, you know, I, I hate predicting scores. I won't predict <laughs> one for the U.S. Open, but I don't see anyone getting what Colin finished at 13 under uh, to win the PGA mm-hmm. Championship. It could happen. Sure, we've seen players like Roy McIlroy just play unbelievable golf in a week, like a congressional in 2011 and win by eight strokes or whatever it was. Look, these guys are good enough that if their game is everything aligns for them, sure, and we'll celebrate that. But at the end of the day, we've identified without question, I think, the, the best player in the world and a deserving U.S. Open champion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from over the years, what kind of, like, do you get to have personal experiences with some of these players within your role? Yeah, I do. I mean, I see them once a year, right? So, you know, I'm lucky enough maybe if they if they might remember me. Um, <laughs> and we have a player services team. We probably have more interactions with them. You know, we recently hired Jason Gores, our senior director of player services, former PGA Tour player, um, played in the final group in the U.S. Open in 2005, uh, where Michael Campbell won in Piner. So now we have someone on staff who, who really, um, you know, has the respect of the players, certainly provides some valuable feedback with how we're setting up the golf course and just, again, a great liaison and working more directly with the players. But it is. It's, it's great to see a lot of them come in advance of a U.S. Open for a, a kind of quasi-practice round mm-hmm. where they might team up with a member or, uh, you know, if it's a public golf course, working with the, the operators there to, to get them an advance round so they can do some homework with their caddy before they ultimately show up. Uh, that's where I probably have the most one-on-one conversations with them. So it's... Uh, it's been amazing. I mean, to think about, you know, shaking Tiger Woods' hand or, or Rory or meeting up with JT and just me and him to exchange a yardage book and him ask questions about, you know, the golf course or where to eat dinner that night. You know, you have those interactions on a daily basis through my position, sure. I think uh, one interesting question that I've always wanted to ask is, you know, a lot of people, Charles Barkley is like the, like the people at, uh, the person everybody points at as like, yep. you know, watching celebrities golf. But there are some like really talented athletes in other sports that can really play golf and we saw tom brady we saw peyton manning but like like steph curry for example tony romo is another one tony romo another one who are some of the maybe celebrities or athletes that you think could compete with amongst some of the best golfers in uh in the world none uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> no i mean you look at the level of them performing on a weekend week out basis mm-hmm. um it takes so much and that's and that's all due respect to those guys sure who, no uh, as a hobby on this absolutely side. uh they're very talented it's fun to see them playing like the tahoe event mm-hmm. uh, you see romo start to qualify a couple times for the u.s open you know steph played in uh yeah. now corn Ferry tour kind of level uh and maybe the first to tell you that they wouldn't have a, have a chance probably sure. to be on the pga tour uh but you know again the u.s open provides that platform for right. a guy to get hot and play golf and be involved with the u.s open so i say none but Hey, that's the great part about the U.S. Open is mm-hmm. anything's possible, and, and we hope that what a story that would be to have some celebrity. You know, I've we used to do a kind of with golf jo- digest uh, back in 2009. We had uh, Michael Jordan, uh, Justin Timberlake. So yeah, you, to your point, sure. unbelievable Justin players. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have Justin Timberlake that. can play. Really? Uh, oh yeah. That guy can when do he's everything. not putting out and dropping albums and just heat for everybody else to listen to, uh-huh. he's probably on a golf course, whether in Memphis or wherever he lives. He can he can absolutely play. So speaking of you know personnel in golf, we'll kind of segue that into 
Virginia Tech golfers. Um, you know, some personal shout-outs. Bryce Chalkley is one of my closest friends. Joey Lane, a very close friend of mine, both former Virginia Tech golfers, and Joey's on the Corn Ferry Tour. But uh, who are some Virginia Tech golfers that you may have, you know, come across over the years or had a relationship um, because of your career? Right. Well, you've seen Jonathan Wagner. You've seen Brendan DeYoung play in U.S. Opens in you know, the past several years, which has been really cool to kind of have that hokey connection. But the one personal relationship that I've been able to really evolve since college, we had the camaraderie of, of golf and soccer, but that's Drew Weaver. Uh, he was an 08 grad. I was 06 grad. But we've come a lot closer now as, as my role in the USGA. He was part of our 2009 winning Walker Cup team who, I mean, he played on the same team with Ricky Fowler, you know, Peter Uline, Morgan Hoffman, Bud Cauley, Brian Harmon, you know, Cameron Tringali. All these are PGA Tour players. He was on that squad that wins. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood was on Great Britain and Ireland's team, played at Marion Golf Club. Uh, Drew's also an unbelievable just human being and friend. Uh, him and his wife Elizabeth just had a, had a baby child not too recently. Um, so we've been able to keep in touch. He lives in Atlanta. He plays on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have qualifying to see him maybe have a chance to, to get in uh, to this year's U.S. Open. But again, we've got a great makeup of amateurs and, and others from the Corn Ferry Tour that will make, uh, make our 144-player field this year. But I don't believe him. Go back to his British amateur. He's you know, completely under the radar. Wins one of the most historic golf championships in the world. Oh, and at a place where the Open Championship has a rotation, you know, when you think of uh, Royal Litham and St. Anne's, which I actually was on property for our 2000, let's see, they all run together sometimes, but 2015 <clears throat> U.S. Open. I'm over there just as a USGA staff member, but fan of golf, just because I think the Walker Cup is one of the coolest events in golf. And for the listeners, the Walker Cup is the best amateurs in the U.S., versus the best amateurs from Great Britain and Ireland. So kind of on the amateur version of the Walker Cup, just not U.S. versus Europe. Mm-hmm. It's USA versus uh, GB&I, uh, which, again, Drew was on that 09 team that won at Marion Golf Club. But I get on property uh, where the Walker Cup is in 2015, and you walk in the clubhouse. Again, they have a cement step going into this clubhouse that is worn down from people walking. I mean, that's how historic this club is. It's unbelievable. But you walk in and see all the champions that have won there, and there you go. 2008 Virginia Tech grad yeah. Drew Weaver's Drew Weaver's got his name up there, you know, for life. I mean, it's and more than life. You know, that's always going to be there. That's a pretty cool accomplishment. But great friend, uh, and I always keep in touch with him. And probably should get him on the, the podcast one of these days yeah. too. He's just a, he's a great great person. Like I said, he's from High Point, North Carolina. Um, just all around, you know, bleeds uh, orange and maroon. You know? And uh, he was paired with Tiger Woods in his early 20s, wasn't he? With uh, I have to go back to what, what event that was. and you know, Maybe it could have been a practice round, but I do vaguely recall that. I couldn't speak confidently that mm-hmm. was the case. But, you know, being that he won the British Amateur, he got exemptions into the U.S. Open. You know, he played at Augusta National. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat to you know, yeah. be able to have someone uh, you know, that you're close to that, that had that kind of accomplishments in golf. Exactly. So... Rolling into your Virginia Tech experience, you were from Richmond, Virginia, Atley High School? Atley High School, yep, in Mechanicsville. Yep. Gotcha. Sam Rogers. Sam Rogers. Sam Rogers, Sam that's Rogers. right. That's right. Mechanicsville legend. That's big time. So, um, how... No one remembers me in Mechanicsville anymore. It's all Sam Rogers now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. How did you get to Virginia Tech? So, uh, what was your recruitment like? Did you always want to go to Tech? Um, you know, kind of just walk us through that, because I know... You, you played soccer at Tech, you were a captain, um, but how did you start? Yeah, I mean, growing up, 
and sports fan, I mean, like I get to see the 99 championship run on television. You see Mike Vick, Andre Davis, you know, fast forward, I guess my junior year, I'm renting from Andre Davis and Blacksburg, kind of a cool segue there. But um, yeah, from a recruitment standpoint, you know, I have my family, a lot of them went to William & Mary. You know, my grandfather was a uh, head football coach, um, athletic director at William & Mary in the, in the 50s, you know, actually was a coach of like an historic team with only 24 players. Uh, he coached, and he retired in Lexington, Virginia. He coached with uh, Jim Cavanaugh, Bobby Ross at, at VMI. So actually, on my recruiting visit at Virginia Tech, you know, Jim Cavanaugh came and said hello and kind of made that connection with my grandfather, which was really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, from a recruiting standpoint, my head coach at Virginia Tech was uh, Oliver Weiss uh, from Germany originally, went to U of R, but had been coaching in New Hampshire. He was at William & Mary. And I played club soccer for him before I was, um, you know, obviously in college. And he went on to UNC Chapel Hill. He wins a national championship as an assistant coach 2001. We're staying in touch. He's kind of recruiting me, keeping an eye on. And he's like, I might be in line to for this head coaching job at Virginia Tech. And, you know, he kind of saw Virginia Tech at that time in the Big East as a sleeping giant, yep. right? I mean, you have UVA down the road in the early 90s if you're in soccer. They won four national championships in a row. I had a poster, I will, I will say, of them in my... Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Is that, uh, Bruce Arena? Bruce Arena, Coach yeah, Claudia Arena. I mean, the yeah. players that were there. Um, but, you know, UVA was only recruiting national team players, and, you know, I was a pretty good soccer player and fortunate to be recruited by a few places, but... Kept in touch with Oliver, my club soccer coach. Again, leaving Carolina to become the head coach of Virginia Tech. I thought I improved under him as a player um, more than any other coach I had been with. I feel he got the most out of me. Uh, so it was kind of an easy call once he puts me on foot on campus. It's like, well, what is this place? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's three hours from Richmond. You know, you see the mountains in New River Valley, and it's just you're completely blown away. I mean, Step foot on the campus. I knew I was going there, let alone needing to respond to him afterwards. What was his? Uh, just out of curiosity, what was his coaching style that brought the most out of you? Just you know, what? How did he really reach you as a player and as a person? Yeah, to improve I think your game? you know, you come in and everyone's talented, right? Right. Um, but how he could speak to the most talented player on the team or the player that you know is trying to be a walk on. He just made sure and pushed you that you know you achieved a goal. All right, so what? What's your next goal? And here's your potential. So I think he just really uh, mentally, uh, I think I grew a lot tougher. Just, you know, he was hard. It was a good coach. Um, you know, you look back and, you know, was he harsh in some cases? Yeah, but like have thick skin. You learn a lot and you apply. You take it how you want to, right? Mm-hmm. You can be down about it and, you know, go back to the locker room and <laughs> it affect the rest of your day or you can learn from it. And I think I just, I appreciated the, just the transparency of, calling you out when you needed to be better. Uh, and then even if you were, you know, I made a Soccer America Team of the Week one one time at Virginia Tech in my career, and he was like, what are you doing next what week? What are you doing next week, right? <laughs> I mean, and that's what you had. And my dad was kind of the same way, and my grandfather, who I mentioned earlier, kind of always were, you know, you ran a race in high school or you, you had a fitness test and you finished first. So what? Okay, what's your time the next time? Mm-hmm. You know, you had to always be setting the goal a little bit further to chase. And he had that and uh, fortunately wasn't mature enough to, I think, recognize at a young age to where it had an impact, to where I was like, if you're head coach of Virginia Tech, uh, I'm interested in coming on campus. I get on campus, okay, game over. This is it. This place is unbelievable. You know, his second year, uh, 2003, we go to the NCAA tournament for the first time in Virginia Tech program history. So he just saw it as a sleeping giant. He had the foresight to see that. 
um, some of my closest friends and people that he recruited are were my teammates, you know. And I think just the type of person he recruited, you know, what how you evolve and the kind of person you leave uh, with the values of Prosum and leave Virginia Tech, uh, all those things together, I mean, I think it kind of led me and I would give him a lot of credit for who I am today, even with in golf, I, the lessons learned from him and, and being able to apply it. We stay in touch. Your dad, uh, Kev, Pat, he, uh, we all stay in touch on like a little fitness thing during COVID. It's, <laughs> uh, it's been pretty funny. Um, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. I still call him coach. I lives. Uh, he's now in back into coaching in college soccer. He's going to be an assistant, kind of on a volunteer basis at George Mason this year. So, I guess probably look out for George Mason. <laughs> That's right. And then, um, yeah, I've heard so many stories from Charlie and from uh, my dad about just the Virginia Tech soccer program, and that's a tight-knit community right now, or right there. But uh, what were some of the highlights of your Tech experience that were, you know, off the field? Yeah, off the field, I mean, being a member of the German club was great. I mean, you think I have my soccer family and, and team there, and, and again, mentioned some of my closest friends, but to have that kind of uh, area outside of soccer with a group of guys that just kind of, you know, the same values and what you wanted to make of yourself in life and um, the responsibility of, you know, what it means to uh, to give back to your communities, you know, a lot of good values from the German club, but you know, athletes in action I was involved with um, at Virginia Tech. You know, you think about Danny White on staff there now as a, I think as a senior associate director of student affairs. Yep. But I was his roommate, you know, in that Andre Davis house. So, <laughs> you know, but the friends that I have with, you know, Daryl Tapp or James Anderson, you think about some of the, the talented football players that were there that you got to know through athletes in action. So some of my fondest memories and just kind of the camaraderie across sports and just that, that team. But I mean, the dining experience, you could start there. We could have a whole podcast on how good Virginia Tech I would, uh, is. Right? Be, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to having a podcast yeah, right? about that. There we go. I mean, it's, here we go again. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, like, maybe it gets old to reprint <laughs> every year. It does not get old. No, it doesn't right? get old for me. Is it still like one of the number one dining facilities across yep. campuses? I mean, unbelievable. Did you set him up to bring that up to get me on? Did, <laughs> did you set him I up to not. bring up no, the dining? No, no. Get your bingo boards out. Get your bingo really board excited out. about no. food. Billy's talking about food again. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a monthly comment on a text thread of oh, some yeah. friends about Buffalo Chicken Wrap at West End. Yes. And that's just Rap like world. where you start. <laughs> yeah. Now you talk about athletes in action. Is that what the Student Athletic Advisory Committee is now? Yeah, so you think like... Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but Athletes in Action truly was a kind of a, a Christ-driven mm-hmm. um, platform. Once a week, all the athletes uh, that want, you know, that chose to participate mm-hmm. could come in and hear people like Danny White kind of lead. You know, Daryl Tapp, uh, you know, James Harrison, and myself kind of were involved in awesome. kind of student yeah. leadership. And again, the camaraderie of what it means across sports. But then again, just uh, whether it's German club or you know your parents raising you, and, and for me personally, just with Christ, that was a, a good outlet for me. Um, and you know, again, all, all the makeup of who I am as a person and what I want to be, and just. It was awesome to have that in college. You know, you wonder, you know, college takes you in a lot of different directions and to have those grounding things like mm-hmm. athletes in action or for me, the German club or the soccer team, um, you know, I think your parents sleep a lot easier knowing that you're involved with some of those things as well. <laughs> well, Pat, we, uh, it, was in, it was in the write-up that we did for, um, for Pamphlet a couple weeks ago. You are a, uh, a great example of never say no to an experience. You yeah. go to college, you have an opportunity to check out different clubs, get yourself involved in things that... You know, maybe you weren't thinking about when you arrived on campus uh, as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed freshman, right. you know, first showing up on campus. Um, never say no to experience, and um, 
you know, look at how much you've taken away from. Yeah. You know, I mean, I wish I could have participated in a lot more in Virginia Tech. Same you thing. Just see how Same. much it is, and, and being an, yeah. an athlete doesn't afford you the ability to do it all. But mm-hmm. um, hey, to be in a role in a position to have anyone listening that's thinking about Virginia Tech or their friends, they would appreciate it. They they get it. They know. Like yeah. it's just a special place, and be involved with as much as you can in those in those four years or, or four and a half years, like myself with a medical red shirt. <laughs> take take advantage of the time you're there. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. So talking about all these clubs and all these organizations that you were involved with, but we always talk about joining the Hokie Club. That's and right. And there was the uh, the Hokie Club 5K for the Virtual Fan Day this past Sunday. Sunday was a big day. It was the PGA Championship finale, and it was the Hokie Club 5K. Billy, we are sitting across from the bronze medal recipient. That's true. Charlie had <laughs> Charlie Howe had the third best time recorded. From this Hokie Club 5K. Charlie. Can you repeat that? Out of everybody that ran it. How, yeah, I don't know how many people ran it. I was I was driving back from Richmond. I couldn't run it. Okay. It was, I wasn't going to run it. Good way to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> there might have only been three people that ran it, but, but no. What it was, was the pretty, time? Uh, 1756, so it was, uh, was moving. Yeah. And... Um, best yeah, one I, ever, right? It was my, my best 5K ever uh, by far, but I've been through... The COVID experience through this kind of Virginia Tech alumni thread. We've got like 25 people on here. We've just been weekly logging workouts, pushing each other, doing a little fitness test. Our past coach is on it, so he's like driving it, and it's kind of rewinding 15 years. <laughs> Sons of enablement. <laughs> Sons right. of enablement. Find a way to get better. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, uh, it was fun. I think they got 600 new Hokie Club members to that. It was really? unbelievable. So it was a great drive for them. I'm glad to see it was so successful. More important than ever right now. So if you're listening to this, not in the Hokie Club, check it out. We would love to have you. And I'm sure if you scroll our, our Twitter, it's usually within the first three tweets. You can go on and get yourself a, a Hokie Club link. But I want to talk about uh, another club that is fantastic. I want to talk about the Monogram Club and... And quick shout out to Mr. Mike Saunders. He actually introduced me to the club when uh, I moved to Atlanta. He's a great represent, uh, representative of Virginia Tech and the Monogram Club. So just for those who don't know what it is, what goes on, uh, and how, you know, I have athletes that I played with who, you know, I'm telling them about it and they didn't know about it. So what exactly is the Monogram Club and how do you get involved? Now, the Monogram Club is a, is a makeup of really former athletes. And all you have to do is letter or have lettered one year at Virginia Tech. Uh, so yourself, Billy, can, can join the Monogram Club. You know, I'm our men's soccer representative. So every Olympic sports as well as football uh, have a representative. So Chad Beasley is the football representative. But we have, um, you know, Mike Ligon with golf. And we all work together. We get on campus two or three times a year to talk through. And, and it's a way to engage with former athletes. And we're, we're trying to really grow that platform. We work hand-in-hand with the Hokie Club to kind of share – um, you know, just best practices of, of communication and how we can maybe reach a, lot, a larger audience. But what a great, we had a great experience as athletes at Virginia Tech. Uh, some of our best experiences, if not best experiences of our lives and the memories that we have. And, and so when you do and when we have the chance to go back on campus, whether it's surrounding football games or other alumni events that these individual sports directors are organizing, I mean, what a great place to now say through the Monogram Club, you know, we've got a, a block of tickets. Um, Truly, I think uh, even in the lower bowl of Virginia Tech that we can you can have access to by joining. Uh, we do some you know homecoming. We typically have the ability to have the former athletes be part of the Inner Sandman Tunnel. Mm-hmm. So there's some you know cool incentives. But at the end of the day, it's just that camaraderie that we had as student athletes. We want to try to grow that and have that exist you know today. And, and it's a great uh, format for for me to get to know Mike Ligon from the golf team who, who you know graduated. 
you know, well before I was there, but we've become close friends. Look forward to playing golf with him. And, and just a great experience connecting people. Uh, there are some universities that do a fantastic job and has really grown. Notre Dame is an unbelievable monogram club, you know, Texas A&M. And we know we can get to their level and they make it even better because Hokies, we just, I think just there's something about it. You know, I, I go home in Mechanicsville for Thanksgiving and my whole neighborhood, how many ho- people fly Hokie flags uh, and you don't see many UVA flags or any other school. It's just something you go to that school and you like to let people know you're proud of it. And that's what we're proud of as former athletes is now we have this organization. It's existed for a while, but we're trying to do a better job of communicating that out to uh, to platforms like yours, Sons of Saturday, but also just uh, at former you know, athletes that come on campus, we want to make sure that we have some really neat events to, to connect people, whether it's uh, we've got two two or three tailgate spots right outside of, uh, of Castle for football now. So really fun ways of when you go back on campus and you don't have someone's number or maybe the friends you wanted to go to the game with aren't coming that weekend, you know, as a former athlete, you've got this one area to go to. You're going to run into former athletes, friends, make some new friends. Uh, it's, it's really cool and, and proud to have been on the – the board of directors again as a soccer representative for a number of years now so it's exciting and uh yeah any former athletes listening um you know you can go to monogramclub.hokiesports.com sign up again all you have to do is letter one year at virginia tech uh, and we'll have you join and, and again it'll be good to to meet you in person hopefully at a, for, uh, a future athletic event absolutely fantastic job there and that leads us right into our next segment so look we call this rapid fire um, we're going to keep calling it rapid fire, but um, it's not always that rapid. So we're just gonna, And we can't call it fire, so we're just going to go with rapid fire. This is presented by Dr. John Cranham, one of our absolute OG favorite people ever, uh, the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Um, 50% off tooth bleachery? I mean, you go in there. We were just talking about it with our, uh, with our guy Bryce Goodner. He thinks it's a great deal. You go in there and you say, hey... I love the Sons of Saturday, and I love white teeth. And he goes in there, and he's going to knock 50% off of your white tooth operation. And you're going to get white teeth for 50% off. So the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry, 50% off. John Cran, we love you. Shout out to Cran family. Aside from that, here we go. Oh, I'm wrong here. Shout out to Chuck Lynham, starting dental school this week. Unbelievable. Can we clap it up here? Yeah, we got to give a shout out. We saw a girlfriend, Maddie. Uh, Instagram DM'd us, said, Chuck needs a shout-out. He's starting dental school uh, this week. So that's big time. Hey, Chuck, maybe one day you'll have a, uh, an ad read on the Sons of Saturday from your dental practice. There we go. There we go. We do love – we've got to take care of your teeth. It's yeah. important. Brush your teeth in the morning, brush your teeth in the afternoon. And at night. And at night. That's true. <laughs> three times a day? I don't know about three. I don't know. I don't know if I do it three times. Uh, all right. So first question for Rapid Fire. Favorite golf event that you have attended in your career? Tough not to go right back I to where we started at Torrey Pines, right? Yeah. I mean, not having to been to a golf event, seeing, again, one of the most historic on a broken leg, Tiger Woods. You know, again, so we played 72 holes for US Open. That wasn't enough. You know, they go to a full 18-hole playoff on Mondays. Now we do a three-hole aggregate. But at that point in 2008, they come back on Monday, just the two of them, play 18 holes, still tied. Tiger Woods wins on the, the seventh hole at Torrey Pines. That's where the playoff ended. But unbelievable I hope I get to witness it again in some form or fashion. Uh, that was just the most unbelievable sporting event that I've been to. And that's over top of my dad taking me in sixth grade to see David Justice go yard game six against the Indians. So uh, Tiger Woods, U.S. Open, that's tops. Fair enough. 
Favorite soccer memory as a student at Virginia Tech? Soccer memory have to be our, our first NCAA tournament appearance. We played Clemson, ranked higher than us. But it's in Blacksburg. Beat him in PKs. Again, program history made unbelievable comeback from us. Uh, fortunately, was made a P- made a PK. Almost had it blocked. I still am like thinking of how my life would be different if it was saved. <laughs> uh, maybe have a few less friends on the soccer yeah. team. But that game was, I mean, the, the most memorable experience that I've ever had. Certainly against Clemson and taken to, you know, again, we were Big East. They were ACC. Um, program history. That's the best. And I got to say, Thompson Field, for those of you, you know, if you go to Virginia Tech or you're going back to Virginia Tech, a lot of times they do play on the same weekends that there's a home game for football. Thompson Field is a, a beautiful venue. It's incredible. Uh, and it's an incredible venue. Yeah. And I only started going to soccer games, I want to say, my junior year. I started going. Um, and it, it's a beautiful venue. The teams are always awesome. And it's a ton of fun to go watch. And the atmosphere, I mean, there are students, the students that get involved are all they the way in. It. Last year, They're no shirt in. on, 23 degrees. The Thompson uh, Guard. The Thompson Guard. That's <laughs> right. So I, I, I don't know if they have a name. We, Whatever. They, they, should. Should. they should. They should. Yeah. yeah, they should. And they should wear sweatshirts. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, aside from that, I do want to shout out, there. there is a really, really cool uh, environment and, and obviously uh, venue that they do play in. So definitely, if you get the chance, check out uh, the Stalker team, men or women's. They're both they're Unreal. They're both lacrosse fantastic. plays there. McComas Hall wraps around it, right in the center of kind mm-hmm. of our athletic campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, really something for to be proud of as a Virginia Tech former player. For yeah, sure. a lacrosse shout-out too. Sons of Saturday. We didn't even play. Hokies for Hokies. Hokies <laughs> for Hokies. Absolutely love that. And then uh, favorite football memory as a VT student. You were there for some good teams now. Unbelievable teams. You know, I mentioned, you know, James Anderson, Daryl Tapp, you had Xavier DB, you know, you see uh, Tyrod for at the end of, of my career, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe not, but I mean, I just remember him because he was so good. But uh, <laughs> honestly, again, kind of first golf experience, my first Virginia Tech home football game, and people will remember this, uh, was 2002, LSU comes to town. And again, I probably never had seen a, an away team bring a week early. They're parking. They fill Daring Lot with RVs. Unbelievable. I don't think I ever saw another, like, again, away team come roll that deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we win. I mean, it's the most unbelievable. I mean, I think there were some, like, downtown, you know, just riots or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's uh, it was an experience for Blacksburg and certainly for my first football experience was pretty incredible but being at the, the nebraska game comes to mind you think about uh was it texas a&m like kind of hurricane, hurricane game. Mm-hmm. i'm unbelievable i mean that's that only, six, nice. only six games a year and i was there for four years and i can list off there's so many and that's benefit of being a uh, attending Virginia Tech, right? I gotta say, RIP to Hokie Tapes because the Texas A&M right. game was gonna be next on our. Uh, for those of you right. wondering what happened to Rewatchables, Rewatchables, mm. uh, Hokie Tapes is no longer on uh, on YouTube. So, um, so yeah, but shout out to Hokie Tapes. So follow up to that, um, Nick Saban was coaching that LSU team in 2002, I believe. Someone can fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's true there. But what was Enter Sandman like? Back in 2002, because I know it had only been birthed a couple of years then. Like, what, what were your experiences like jumping in the north end zone? Or did you guys sit in the south end zone with the athletes? Or, like, what, what was it like? No, I was uh, definitely with the, the regular student body that game. You could almost, I could probably get back on campus, walk in Lane Stadium, and probably sit right back there. I mean, that's how much that memory is ingrained. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it gave me chills then. It, it gives me chills watching it on uh, YouTube now. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Just that's so part of my kind of fabric now, <laughs> my memories of, of Lane Stadium and, and what that experience is like as a, as a student, uh, let alone a student athlete. I mean, I think it's just one of the most special interests in, in college football bias that I think the best. What has been the best Virginia Tech memory that you have had since you've been an alumni, since you've you know turned the tassel? It's a, a great, great question. Um, you know, for me, it kind of comes back to being back on campus with my friends and former athletes. You know, whether it's through an event at the Monogram Club or, or just I mentioned that this soccer group that you know your dad's now a part of. I mean, we have a, a thirty-year span of just. You know, like a hundred guys that come back and we uh, can't all go back at the same time but there's just some communication back and forth and you just kind of get to be back on campus with them see how much a campus has, has changed a for the better but just you know reliving memories you know going to tots you know partaking in a rail and or sharkies or sharkies yeah. <laughs> uh this is very true actually uh, there's a funny story from uh I went from Tots, and when I was in campus there, a good friend of mine, Eric Priggett, who played, he was a senior when I was a freshman soccer player, but he was pretty close with, you know, he's playing like video games in Cochrane with like Mike Vick and, you know, new Cornell Brown what? and Ronyell Whitaker. But I got to know Ronyell and Cornell, and I'm in, I'm in a car, and we are picking up Ronyell Whitaker, and we were just getting out, it was like for dinner. And we're picking up Ronyell Whitaker from Tots, and he asked for a ride from Tots to Sharkies. <laughs> We all know a ride place. from top to ride. For those of you who don't know, that's maybe 500 yeah, yards. Yeah. But it was the best. Cornell was like, it was kind of like get in the car, and get out of the car. As soon as he realized, like, but it, it was just funny. And then we were just, you know, going out to dinner. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. But it's just again the the camaraderie of those athletes that was fun. But that my best experience, yeah, being back on campus today or in the future with uh, you know my closest friends and teammates. Uh, those are the memories that you know I, you know, I live for. Um, and again, just hope that. We have experiences that we have big football games, you know, going to the Bristol, unfortunately losing that one. But, you know, you have that. Yeah. You walk away with seeing your best friends, yep. and, and that's what you carry, you know, despite, you know, you always hope the football team has a, has a better result. And after hearing Fuente on your podcast, I think we've got a bright future ahead, so we'll have more of those. <laughs> that's right. Uh, favorite place to eat in Blacksburg when you're going back? That's, more food you're doing you're doing this oh, on yeah. purpose I'm telling you you're doing it on purpose without question there's one by my friends and it's Cabo Fish Taco oh yeah every single time that's a that is a that is a um, that is a point of controversy on this show is it's, it really it's, it's, it, Pat is a huge Cabo Fish Taco fan yeah. I actually have never been fun fact and Grayson is avidly against it so what do you get you walk into Cabo Fish Taco what are you ordering yeah, I mean, it is, uh, looking at the menu, I mean, just get some tacos. I love fish tacos, but the way that you can order it, and part of it, again, is the memory you had, spending yeah. the summer there, mm-hmm. you know. How, was it there when you were there? It was, yeah, it was uh, built when I was there, I guess, or okay. they took it over. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't there immediately. Um, no, that was, that's a place I make a point to go every oh, time. Yeah. So you were, so you were on campus for, during the summer? A, a couple times, yeah. There's not, so a lot of people... And, you know, you find ways to complain about what you have to do anyway. Sure. Football was always on campus in the summer. And right. looking back on it, the best, like, some of the best memories were summer right? times in Blacksburg. I mean, whether you're going to New River Junction and tubing down, uh, tubing down over on the New yep. River or, you know, going fishing or doing any of that stuff. Being on campus, you know, there's no one else there. It's just the athletes and your closest friends. And the coolest part about it is, you know, you're working extremely hard and then just getting to enjoy where you are with 
the guys that you're working extremely hard. The weather hard in Blacksburg is unbelievable, uh, unmatched in the summer. And you know, like you mentioned tubing in the New River Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people on the podcast may think I, I mentioned not being in golf until truly working for the USGA. But my first 18 holes of golf was playing the Virginia Tech nine holes twice mm-hmm. uh, my sophomore <laughs> year. So, and that was primarily in the summer. We try to play uh-huh. every day, and then we'd go to Cabo Fishaco, and we had a bet on the game. It was, you know, try to settle it either, you know, if it was tied, we'd play Buck Hunter at, uh, you know, Cabo Fishaco, whatever <laughs> was there. I mean, it was just fun memories. Um, but yeah, the summer, summer in Blacksburg, unreal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, right? Very, 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 yeah. very. Um, we should underrated. have we should have been there today having the podcast there. What are we, we doing? Just, just, what are we doing? We really what thought this. What are we doing? It's not too late. We can hit the road. Yeah, we get right. there right around four o'clock in the <laughs> yeah, morning. Exactly. Um, what about your favorite place to play? Play golf? Yes. Yeah. Uh, man, I've had such a pleasure playing some good golf courses. Uh, you know, that's a big myth. If you work in the golf industry, you think you're playing all the time. You know, I'm busiest during the nicest time of year. Right. Uh, but you know, some of the courses that I named earlier, are unbelievable, and I've been fortunate to play. Um, what about locally? We'll make it a little easier. What, where Where do you play uh, here in North Jersey? Locally, there's an awesome nine hole track, Madison Golf Club. That's uh, it's a little private golf club, but uh, some friends that I've met have been able to host me a few times. Some USJ employees that work locally. Uh, I've also been mm-hmm. there, um, but Baltusrol locally is oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, they most recently had a PJ Championship, I think, in 2016. Uh, but spent a lot of time on on Long Island. Uh, so playing Shinnecock is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, played Marion Golf Club this summer with some friends there that I made around the 2013 U.S. Open. Probably one of my favorite golf experiences and just great memories from from that year being able to pull off a u.s open that everyone said couldn't happen um that was uh that was pretty good it's a special place for sure and then we're gonna roll right into our quarantine edition here quarantine edition one of pat's favorite uh segments so these are specific to <laughs> quarantine quarantine starts and then we're gonna ask you about it so what shows are you binge watching right now if you have any time I have some time uh, in the evenings. Yellowstone, I've been all in on. Okay. Fantastic show. Uh, watched the, uh, is it Drive to Survive? That F1 uh, mm-hmm. series on Netflix was pretty good. Um, but not, I haven't spent too much time. I've been trying to watch some sports lately. Catch, uh, obviously, the PGA They're Championship. Back. They're yeah. back. So I've been trying to find that finally uh, mm-hmm. to be to be watching. Um, but favorite right now, Yellowstone, hands down. Gotcha. And then what about snacks? So... Again, look, I'm bringing it up. This is my first time bringing it up. So, it's food. What are you snacking on over uh, over over this quarantine? Man, I, I crushed some goldfish. I crushed some like candy Swedish fish. Oh man, the kind of trick I learned over quarantine, which I'm like, feel like I'm late to the game. <laughs> Have you ever frozen uh, like granola bars, like no. Akashi bars, or even like the peanut butter? Put them in the freezer. Kid, Kit Kats and Hershey's taste, and um, even right. Almond Joy. Yeah. Almond Joy, underrated, underrated Snickers, candy. Snickers. I mean, Almond Joy is not good candy. Really? Because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but it. It's changed the granola bar game for me. Which I mean, again, if I'm if I'm running in the hokey virtual 5K, I can't be eating snacks all the time to put yeah. up a time. Like no, they're bad. I I, really, I I I think you're onto something. Candy is definitely better. No, actually, you're definitely onto something. Yeah. Candy is 100 percent better <laughs> out of the freezer. Maybe my pops puts his uh, Almond Joys in the freezer. So I think that. I, I think that's follow suit and don't talk down on it until you've tried it I'm assuming you've tried Almond Joys though so it's okay alright yeah, okay. they're not horrible uh, what are you listening to what music are you listening to and are you a Spotify or Apple Music person Ooh, I am a Spotify although yes. I probably have what are they going to sponsor us I know seriously how many shout outs I probably have two <laughs> I, have, I have two or three Apple Music you know hey start your 30 day or 
60 day trials. Nope. nope. No, thank you. They're in the drawer somewhere. I don't want to download the Probably YouTube expired, album. Probably expired, but uh, no, Spotify. <laughs> and I'm all over the place. Um, you know, through Yellowstone, I got to know like Ryan Bingham. He was on the show as an actor in season one and a great country cool. singer. Yeah. Listen to him a lot lately. Um, you know, I listen to Kygo a lot. Kygo! Pat Finn crushes, <laughs> Pat Finn crushes call, uh, call blisses with Kygo. Yeah. Kygo's it's the vibe, man. So, yeah, there's a great little Netflix or whatever documentary I'm on, whatever platform it's on. That's a good thing to watch. Uh, so I'm all over the place. You know, country, you know, what they call that summer house or... Yeah, yeah, whatever, tropical house. Tropical house, house you know. Oh, yeah. um, listen, lo- I love hip-hop as well. I mean, things that, you know, listen to working out primarily, you know, coming with Jake... Or uh, Drake, Future, Two Chains. Mm-hmm. Dude, look at this! Um, all over the map. All over. The, all over the map. Over. But I mean, you know, I think I grew up in a great generation where you never say no to an experience. Never Why say not? no to experience. I was had Tribe Called Quest on earlier today, just on uh, Spotify <laughs> radio. So, hey, bring it! I, I love hitting music. all the notes. Oh, I love music. Hitting all the notes. Nice. Sons of Enablement. How are you improving? What are you reading? How are you getting better? Any trades you're working on? You're working on your golf game at all? Like, what are you getting better at? I have been getting better at golf through quarantine. I think just obviously with the the virtual schedules Mm -hmm. and meetings, you know, still putting in the same hours that you could, but you have the ability to, you know, say yes to a golf game uh, more often. Uh, Been reading a little bit, uh, just kind of getting some self-improvement uh you know books uh there's a great book i'm reading right now called uh and and time appropriate uh is the obstacle is the way um and then the the same artist um author it'll come to me but he also does uh ego is the enemy uh stillness is key so just some great books that i think helped me professionally helped me you know mentally i work in a very stressful job uh has a lot of expectations it's on you know the worldview. So anything that I can have, whether it's athletically or professionally, that can help me kind of mentally go that go that way. It's what I'm trying to again. It's trying to get better every day. So you're just gonna skip over the fact that that you haven't been running at all after this five. <laughs> you're just gonna leave that out. No, I'm glad you brought that up. That's <laughs> so I started running. You know, you can only get outside and run so many times a day. So I, I bought a bike. That was like the big purchase, like yep. a month into uh, Peloton you know, or COVID. bike. It was one of the other. No, get outside. Actual get bike. over the, the, yeah. the Peloton. Stop with Actual. the screen. No, that that and enough of the finding ways to try to do things you're supposed to do outside in. Inside. You don't need a flat screen to go on a bike ride. Go on a bike ride and go look at the God screen of the actual Earth. All right, so guess who is uh, not going to be running sponsorships with us? Peloton. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Billy, about Peloton. Track, uh, call us. I have a, a bike that I physically get on and go outside. Okay. He and I still can be friends after this. Uh, yeah, no, that's been incredible. I think it's probably um, it's helped me be more in shape uh, now that I have a run, bike, mix mm-hmm. it up, do some interval workouts, have Coach Vice from the Past, still chirping on my text telling me to not be lazy so mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a lot of good things uh, that again silver lining whatever you want to call it just look we're in this situation we're all in it together you can either you know it's your attitude towards it make the most of it right mm-hmm. exactly and then uh podcasts we know you're a listener we appreciate that do you listen to any other podcasts or have you been plugging into any new ones over the uh yeah being a sports fan and they actually talk about golf quite a bit but uh the spitting chicklets podcast which Mm -hmm. covers hockey uh, on the barstool kind of platform is fantastic uh really into history so listen to kind of uh, malcolm gladwell revisionist history is a good one um dan carlin hardcore history is awesome so 
and your and you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's truly I, I even forget the name of it. There used to be a couple NBA players, uh, Richard Jefferson. Um, uh, trying to think of the podcast name you have when they were at Cleveland. So I, I love the kind of the, the inside look of athletes mm-hmm. to talk and maybe share more in that platform versus, you know, being asked directly by media. I think that's great. And I think that's, you know, why you get some great, uh, you know, feedback from having Fuente on and just people in, in this format, I think is, is more comfortable. Um, yeah. So credit to you guys for starting this. I think it's been incredible to see the energy and following that you all have and what you bring to Virginia Tech to add for not only former athletes to kind of connect through this platform, but also just fans of having an insight to to what it's like as a student at Virginia Tech. And look, we love talking about Virginia Tech. You guys now do it in, in a format for podcasts for listeners. So if you haven't heard it, um, you probably won't hear too much golf on their podcast going forward. But if this was your first episode, these guys are awesome, and you and you really enjoy tuning in for future. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So we're going to get into letters from the lunch pail. Pat, talk to me about Sharkies. Sharkies Blacksburg, you guys know, we love. Love. Where good friends go. Sharkies Blacksburg on Main Street. Check them out. You got the Suns logo on the glass, so that's awesome. But uh, you know what else is awesome? The Wing Buffet on Sundays. The Wing Buffet on Sundays. The Buy One, Get One Burger, uh, BOGO Burger Mondays. Mm-hmm. What do they got on Tuesdays? Trivia. Tuesdays, bingo on Wednesdays. Well, Pat, can you do this too? You've only pitched it. You've like, look, you've complained a little bit about the lack of inbound leads that we have received with this new ad that we're looking to run. Here's your chance. Let people know about Sharky Sendins. I want to get this going. This has real potential. Yeah, guys. So I kind of like plugged it on the Jalen Stroman interview. Sharky Sendins. If you have had a great Sharky's experience, if you love the staff, if you love a, a secret menu item or anything on their menu, and you just want to shout it out, you want to be featured on Sons of Saturday, just send me. You will be the ad. You will be the ad. <laughs> Does it get cooler we, than that? We don't even have to do this. Yeah. Okay? You will be the ad. Just send a you know, 30, 45 second MP3 to pat at sonsofsaturday.com. Boom. Just say, hey. This is my name. I graduated this year. Here are my shout-outs. Or graduating. Or I'm, st- yeah. or I'm still a student, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, sons of ambassadors. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> please. I want my inbox to fill up. I haven't gotten any besides Derek Waddle because I said, Hey, Derek. <laughs> I said, Hey, Derek, you were the biggest Sharkies legend uh, of my time, class of 2017. Can you send me in something? Please. Please send us something. This has potential. This has a lot of potential. I know JJ is going to love it. I know Stephanie's going to love it. Yes. Uh, so please. And Kyle, sons of Kyle. Yes. Uh, please send in your Sharky send in in an MP3 format to pat at sonsofsaturday.com. Letters from the lunch pail. These are submitted on Twitter. And uh, pat, we'll run before we fast. start, the, and we oh, can add this in. Do we, we have, have a Sharky send in? I think we have a Sharky send in. Opportunity. Depends oh. on what kind of opportunity you have with Sharkies. But. If you think if you gave them something, they would hang it on the wall or frame it? I think oh, for sure. Yeah, what are we thinking we just talked about Drew Weaver, right? Mm-hmm. So that Walker Cup team in 2009 with some of those PGA Tour players, Ricky Fowler. So I'll, I'll give you guys a sign flag of that. Of the, yeah. Boom. Boom. You have, they might need to drill it into the wall just so no one walks away with it. <laughs> but happy to give that to you. Yeah. You just got to make sure you deliver on hanging it up in Sharkies in Blacksburg. That's yeah, it. we can do that. JJ, if you're listening, if you're not, we'll text you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, if you're not, it's going to be on Patrick's wall. There we <laughs> go. Yeah, there we go. It's going on someone's wall. Yeah. So the first letter from the lunch bell I actually submitted myself. Um, so you're listening to sports. You're listening to ESPN. 
we have people ask us all the time, and I'm quite, I'm quite honestly, I'm flattered. People write in all the time, and they're like, hey, like, what do you think's gonna happen with the season? Or maybe they'll even DM us because they don't want to, they want like, you know, maybe we got some public, you know, back, Scoops. back behind the curtain information. Not gonna say I do or don't, but <laughs> I'm flattered to think that you would think that I know the answer. What are some of the terms when talking about coronavirus and sports coming back, these buzzwords that you just hear a million times? We'll call them quarantabulary that are just <laughs> overused all the time. Oh, I got three right off the bat that I hope I go forward and never have to say again. But scenarios, okay. you think about from our point of view and with the NBA or, Evers or college football is, all right, fans or no fans is one scenario. Limited fans is another scenario. You have uh-huh. all these what-if scenarios. So yes. prefer not to say scenarios again. Thank you. The next one is bubble. What, wait, what, what is the bubble? Please stop. stop. Please stop, stop with the bubble. It's a weird word anyway. Weird word anyway. Bubble. Bubbles burst. You know, it's, it's not good for anybody. And then the third is pivot. You know, there's always this marketing kind of words, you know, you go through whether it's evergreen or... Uh, but pivot is the new one that I keep hearing. Like, and again, we've had to pivot almost on a daily basis, but it's it's being overused. So those are my three. Prefer put them on a shelf. Grant, the granted, way. good words. No beef Great with words. the words. Yeah. They're just being oversaturated That's at this it. point. That's Come it. Come on. Come on. Let's do better. <laughs> Sorry. So Charlie Grant Watson says, "Who is in your dream foursome, and which U.S. Open course would you play?" Great question. Mm, great question. Great question. Uh, One of Grant's best. I don't think he specified living or not, but I'm my name is a, is a mouthful. Anyways, I think it's a pretty cool name. Growing up with, it. I've got two middle names. It's Charles Hewitt Rennie Howe the fourth. Being that I'm the fourth, how cool would it be to have my dad, who I call Chucky Three Sticks? Uh, his dad, <laughs> uh, you know, the junior, and then, you know, the OG, I guess, the Charles Hewitt Rennie Howe. Like, how cool to just have all this be alive at the same time, to be able to play a foursome, yeah. be pretty special. That would be my foursome, again, if there's no stipulations on, on living or, or not. And where? Gosh. You know, first comes to mind is, is Oakmont, uh, one of the notoriously hardest U.S. Open courses. It's outside of Pittsburgh. Um fantastic track what i love about oakmont is you can kind of be any handicap and play it because there's not really a tree on the golf course so you can kind of spray your drive you're still alive you're not gonna love your shots spray your drive still alive you're still alive you have a chance like you will not lose a golf ball at oakmont but it's gonna be the hardest round i don't know i don't know i lost a bunch you find a way you find a way i'll find a way the first hole could be in question for you then if you slice you could put it on the holton road at oakmont yeah, there are about 500 balls that I left over at uh, the river course uh, for, my, for my shooting at <laughs> 200. That's a tough course, so don't, It is a tough. Yeah, that was don't my, my second time playing, don't and I, that's where sleep. I played. That's a difficult uh, course. I, 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 lost, I didn't lose sleep, but I lost all my golf yeah, balls. So I'll go Oakmont and with the foursome of C1, C2, C3, and C4. That's cool. Yeah. Fantastic. Another another regular sender in here. Sender in her here, Flopsky. Flopsky. Flopsky here. What U.S. Open venue has been your favorite, and what moment from that venue stands out? Again, it's got to be the first one. You would think. I'm going to go, I'm going to zag here You're gonna a little pivot? bit on zag. you. You're going to pivot? It's zag is trying not to use the word pivot, but well played, well played. So pivot, I'm going to zag to Marion Golf Club 2013. So for the U.S. Open, we hadn't had um, the U.S. Open there really since 1981. David Graham wins. Fast forward to 2013. That's a heck of a lot of time. The media, everyone's written Marion off as you cannot host the major championship. You've, it's outgrown the golf course. 
Well, we decide to, to bring the championship back in 2013. We had a U.S. amateur there. Uh, we had the Walker Cup, as I, I mentioned, in 2009. But the U.S. Open 2013, so many naysayers in golf in general. Like, how, how is the USJ going to pull this off in this community? Um, but because of that community, I mean, we were building some of these tents and infrastructure on neighbors' yards across, uh, you know, the 15th hole, 14th hole, the golf course. You know, the, the player kind of hospitality was on their other 18-hole golf course. So we, we figured it out. But that, I think that's where I take the most pride in what my team does and what we were able to do that year is, A, logistically we pulled it off. But then the golf course, it's, oh, it's too, too short for these guys. And if it's soft, there's no chance because Marion does have great greens and it can be difficult. So no matter the yardage, you know, that would be its defense. But if it's soft, these guys are going to just kill it. Well, week arrives, the whole week before, pouring rain. Like it hasn't poured all spring. So now we've got a golf course that's soft. It's, you know, you could argue the greens are, don't have, you know, the defense of the golf course isn't there. These guys are just going to shoot whatever they want. They are the best in the world. Uh, Monday morning of practice round week, we get another torrential downpour. We actually had closed the 11th hole because it's basically an island green. Hey, it's not supposed to be. Very famous uh, hole, though. That's where Bobby Jones finished his Grand Slam in 1930. Uh, but fast forward to the week. Justin Rose wins on a soft golf course, but he wins at plus one was the score. So not only the golf course stand the test of time and just kind of proved everybody that it is everything – and then logistically, what our team was able to accomplish. So that's my best memory, I think, right now um, in my career so far of just the pride you take of the work you put in, what we got out of it, and then the the golf course and that club that you work with mm-hmm. that wants their golf course to shine. Uh, you know, if you listen to everything in the media, they would have been really nervous about mm-hmm. what was going to happen. And plus one, Justin Rose, he's now a member there. It's uh, he loves Marion. It's a great place. There is a rewatchables uh, of Marion 2013 on YouTube. If you want to look up uh, Max Homa on the PGA Tour, hilarious to guy. Yeah. Him and Shane Bacon, who works with uh, with Fox Sports, get together and they have Justin Rose as a guest. But it's on YouTube. It's uh, it's fantastic rewatch. But you'll get to see that. But there you go. That's my answer. Fantastic. Great question. Great great pivot divot. Uh, <laughs> you know, great uh, great move there. Well done. Awesome story. Uh, the crab, aka Karsten. Karsten says. If you could implement one new rule in golf, what would it be? Wow. You know, it's going to be a, a cop-out answer, but when I first started the USGA, you know, you're standing on the first tee and you actually like, knock your ball off the tee and your friends are like, oh, that's one. Well, new rules of golf, rules of your friends. Now if that happens, you put it back on the tee, it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. So that was the one where I was like, yeah, it doesn't seem right. It's been fixed. Um, again, with the USGA, we write and interpret the rules of golf with the RNA across the pond, and um, I think they got that one right. Yeah, I think golf is very much like a sport where it's been played for so long, and it's such a traditional sport. It's like baseball. Like I hate to, I hate what's going on with baseball, and I love that golf is not making all these little changes to speed up the game or do whatever. Um, so I, I definitely can appreciate that. Yeah, I think that. they made a lot of changes to make a pace of play better. I mean, that's part of you know what our organization does. You know, we have these championships. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned the right and in, in interpreting the rules of golf, but 
we also are the governing body too. When you think about all the equipment, uh, whether it's the golf ball or the golf clubs, you know that we make sure the Callaway tailor made. We, we we have literal scientists and engineers on staff at the USGA that do that. Uh, but we think about pace of play, and we have agronomists as part of the USGA that do course consulting visits. Um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs field is part of our USGA kind of uh, you know fabric and, and technology with uh, with golf, the National Mall in DC. Uh, but part of that is we work with technology and data that we work with local courses to show where play and how quickly it's going and where golf balls are being played from. That, so that when you think about water conservation, that you're only watering the places that people play in. It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to water kind of everything. And you think about the future and sustainability of the game, a lot of cool stuff. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's a pretty awesome organization to be involved with. And again, if you think about what people don't know about the U.S. Open, as I shared before, uh, what people don't know about the USGA. It's a, it's a lot of good stuff coming out of, uh, you know, New Jersey. For sure. And then John Earl, uh, what golf courses are on your bucket list right now? Whew. I mean, easy one to say, you know, there's Cypress Point, uh, which I would love to be able to play. It's on the coast near Pebble Beach. Um, yeah, I haven't played golf overseas. So I think place like Royal Dornick, uh, St. Andrews it have to be kind of you know the home of golf would be on my bucket list I've been fortunate to this, scratch a lot of them off the mm-hmm. list too which has been fantastic and, and fortunately in the northeast here we have so much uh, so much good golf Curtis Wilson says better par 3 12 at Augusta or 7 at Pebble Beach ooh okay so you got the amen corner the par 3 7 I've played Pebble um did not par the par 37. Uh, it's such an odd hole. It's so windy. It's right on the point there. I mean, from a, a vista point of view, unbelievable. From even the golf hole, it was brilliant because you're just playing a you know a wedge mm-hmm. and just trying to judge the wind the best you can. Um, I'll go. You know, the United States Open Championship course, Pebble Beach. That's where I'm going to go with uh, par three, number seven. Why not? Jimmy Perlo, another Twilio uh, Twilio shout out here. How can you identify a good golfer before you see them swing? That's very difficult. That's very difficult because uh, you can dress as good as anybody to the nines. You can come roll up looking like <laughs> you know Roy McIlroy. You can be Brooks Kepka with every Nike logo on you, but until you put that ball on the ground and put the ball in the air, it's uh, you don't know. So you know. The better question is after the first hole or, you know, after the first swing or on the practice range. It's tough. I would say nearly impossible. I've been deceived on both ways. You know, you think mm-hmm. someone who's just dressed up and uh, you can see him dressed up like Payne Stewart with like the, the kind of their socks up high. And you're like, all right, <laughs> this guy thinks he's a player and then he hits the ball and, you know, it's not a great shot. Or you see someone who is just rolls up and mm-hmm. maybe they just got out of bed like most of us on our golf trips with our buddies to tee it up and john daly yeah, yeah. it's uh and then they pipe it down the, the first hole birdie and before you know it your team's you know down in the match you're like okay read that wrong so <laughs> great question yeah. i would say it's extremely difficult preston hannikin says best course in the nrv best course in the nrv um I haven't played as much golf in the NRV. I think about, you know, you go back to the Virginia Tech 9, but, you know, Blacksburg Country Club's really good. Um, you have, obviously, the the Pete uh, River course, which is fantastic, and it's probably, probably the more popular answer. Um, 
and you know discredits me. I need to get need to play some more golf in the NRV so I have some more to, to choose from. There's a place I don't know you wouldn't consider it an NRV, but I think it's Primland, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of. Uh, down in uh, southwest, even further, Virginia. That's kind yeah. of like a resort club. That looks mm-hmm. pretty cool. Pictures haven't played the golf course. But. Don't sleep on Auburn Hills. Auburn I have Hills said has, thank you for remembering. Character. Yeah, Auburn Hills, great character. They saw the one hole where you kind of may or may not hit a power line off the, the first tee. Or the yeah, I, I think they do. So speaking of character, it's fantastic. You better, <laughs> you better hit the ball a little lower. Anything can happen. <laughs> uh, that's a great great course. A lot of rounds on there. When we hold our alumni events, a lot of times we'll work with the, the pros there and set mm-hmm. it up, and they're fantastic. we got to get together. I first got to get under 200, but we got to get together. <laughs> we got to get together and play some golf um, we'll before a game early in, we'll the, uh, early in the year. Uh, so from Brett, I don't mean to butcher it, Brett Streg, Strigit Streg, Brett Streg, Brett Streg, Brett Streg. Do you prefer working with private or public courses? A uh, great question. I've had the opportunity to work with both. You think of uh, Torrey Pines uh, with the city of San Diego, Bethpage State Park, owned by New York State. You know, you could consider Pebble Beach and Pinehurst Resort as as public, but you know they are resort courses. Um, you know, I can't really answer that one way or another on a preference. I think what you take away from it is the passion that, whether it's the, the state of New York and Beth Page, that they have for that golf course and that property and showcasing it to to the globe and to the world, uh, not only the golf course but the surrounding community. You, you really work with these people and, and kind of see them question on how a U.S. Open is going to be pulled off and to be able to be a part of that experience and pulling it off. Um, you know, A, you're going to have some, I think, lifelong friends by being able to do that. Um, but yeah, it's incredible people to work with on both, uh, you know, on both public and private. And great thing about the U.S. Open is we're we're not just at private courses. We're taking this championship, you know, throughout the country to iconic venues. But you know, the first time we played at Aaron Hills was the first U.S. Open. This was 2017. So our 117th playing ever U.S. Open was the first time it was held in the state of Wisconsin. Or you think about Chambers Bay in 2015, the first time the U.S. Open had been conducted in the Pacific Northwest. Really cool to see kind of the fans from those regions yeah. and taking our event, mm-hmm. our brand, um, but showcasing the best players in the world, competing um, you know, one of the most historic championships in all of golf. And then Kevin Finn is going to take us home here. What was the best thing about Virginia Tech soccer under Coach Oliver Weiss? competition points and you have to probably be on the team but he's still doing it like now on our, our text thread which is amazing <laughs> I'm, I'm held to a standard even now as, as a 36 year old from my former college soccer coach so uh kevin finn knows what i'm talking about but i think he made everything a competition so it was every little warm-up uh was a game and he, he logged those points he posted them in the locker room and i think the values that you take there and it wasn't just athletically it'd be like well, your 3.0 gpa competition point or you know different things that you need standards that you needed to meet or do things in the community participate in the community uh different drives whether it's some elementary school readings that you did everything was had a competition point and just kind of showed that visually to everybody work you put in is now going to be posted on the board for everyone to see so you can't hide you can't rest behind your laurels you're not getting by in practice at the end of the day there's those points that you can always look to so that's that's kind of what i would say the best part of uh, virginia tech soccer and more under the uh, the tutelage and coaching of, of oliver vice at the time something just a quick nugget from uh it's a great coaching technique and something that we use in football yeah, we did. Um, High school yeah so when uh when we're going through our colorado drills there's uh, every day, and it's cra- it, it, it was crazy when he was uh, explaining it, is as you're going through the drills, everything is filmed. 
and everybody is being watched by whether it be um, you know someone of the medical staff, someone of the assistant staff, and you're getting graded on every rep. Did you touch the line? Did you yeah. you know run full speed? And then at the end of the day, everybody's name is up there. And it's going to be, you know, what did you score out for the day? What are you scoring out for the month? So really being able to measure and hold one another accountable. Um, so definitely it's, a It's life, right? I mean, your results and what you put into it, it's going to be for the world to see. And that's, you got to live on your merit. So. It's like the Salesforce dashboard. That's right. Breathe. Salesforce <laughs> gotta dashboard. Got to have the dashboard. Got to track it. The reports. Absolutely. Charlie, this, this, seriously, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, I didn't know you until we pressed record today. It's I been a ton it. of fun to get to know you and, and talk a little golf, talk a little Virginia Tech. Um, but as we do with all of our guests, want to give you an opportunity to shout out who you'd like to shout out and anybody that would like to follow you or get involved or whatever, just giving you the chance to shout out and plug whatever you have going on. Yeah, so I mean, just a shout out to uh, kind of the plug I put in earlier with the Monogram Club. It's just a great uh, organization that we have at uh, Virginia Tech for former letter winners. Uh, invite any former letter winners listening to, to join in. Reconnect with some of your old teammates uh, on the team you played for or across the, the board with other sports. When you come back on campus, it's a nice way to, to get together if you're looking to enjoy a, a, you know, a future athletic event at Virginia Tech. Yeah, if you want to give me a follow uh, on Instagram, uh, to where I probably am the most or most active. Leading off with the gram. Look yeah. at that. Uh, before Twitter. Yeah, at Hal, H-O-W-E, 4, F-O-U-R. You can give me a shout there. Um, do a lot of little posts of the USGA golf. And um, yeah, I would love to reconnect. Just as Any pictures of Tory Pines? I can put up some pictures of Tory Pines. I'm in. Pines, so you got man. pictures of Tory Pines, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. No, we got to connect on that. I'd love to keep in touch with you guys. You're, you're fantastic for having me. Thanks, to Pat, for reaching out. You know, post PGA, I think the timing uh, to talk some golf is, is is better than ever with the U.S. Open leading up to September. So, thank you for giving me the platform to talk about what I do. You know, my love for Virginia Tech, and um, you guys are awesome. Wish you all the best with this uh, podcast in the future. I, I, you got some big things ahead of you. I think this is awesome. Appreciate it, Charlie. Thanks for coming, and uh, this has been so much fun. So, uh, yeah, guys, enjoy, and I guess I'll just cut it there. <laughs> <laughs>